Your news, your views, your values. This is WMNF Tampa 88.5 FM. Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. I say it's all right. Hello and welcome to the Sustainable Living Show here on WMNF Tampa 88.5, where every Monday at 11, we bring you a conversation with local experts on sustainable issues. Your hosts today are myself, Kenny Coogan, and the wonderful Annie Ellis. And the wonderful Kenny Coogan. Yes, <laughs> thank you. And we also have Mr. Bill Grace working the boards. The wonderful we, Bill Grace. And we have the wonderful Kiki answering the calls. Yes. So we have a full jam-packed uh, schedule today. We're going to be talking about trees, forestry. Urban forestry. Yes. Urban forestry. That's specific. We're very excited. I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah. I am beside myself and myself. <laughs> so in just a minute, we're going to be uh, talking to somebody about who has an event this Saturday. But first, Annie, did you have a good Yeah, week? it was really great. And I know we were, we're tight for time, but I just wanted to share this. I... Uh, I was able to clear for two days uh, tons of stuff in my garden. And I was able to give cuttings and rootings away to uh, five different people. And so that's the beauty of it. There's still a lot more. If anybody needs some, just go to uh, the garden, um, garden, what is it? Uh, Tampa Garden Unplugged. And mm. you'll see the, the thing I wrote. On Facebook. Yeah, on Facebook, right. And uh, anyway, so it was great. That's Reduce, Reuse, Recycle. Very good. Yep. All right. So on line one, do we have somebody from the Plant City Garden Club? <laughs> yes. Yay. Hi. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Can you tell us about your event on Saturday? Yes. Um, we, um, I'm Sally Murphy, and I'm the um, chair, chairman for our annual, this will be our 14th year for our Garden Fest and More event. Um, it's um, located in Plant City. Hang on just a second. I got the wrong <laughs> At uh, the train depot in McCall Park at 102 North Palmer Street in Plant City. Um, and Critter Companions will be one of our 30 vendors. We will have lots of tropical and subtropical plants, exotics, succulents, cacti, orchids, native trees and native flowers for the pollinators that gardeners love, uh, rare fruiting trees, vines and herbs, bromeliads, and a landscape architect booth, and jewelry. <laughs> uh, we have crafts. We have a craft section, too, for outdoor and indoor decor. We'll have a make-and-take fairy garden for the kiddos. It's a free family event, including pets. Uh, the club is having a plant basket giveaway at the tent, so you can come by and say hi and enter. All the vendors are welcome to do that, too. Um, there's no rain in the forecast, so it should be a... Nice sunny day for yes. the show. Sounds like a perfect day for a perfect I, event. I, I saw that. That it's going to be sunny from now on. Oh yay! <laughs> I, you know what? Yesterday when I was working, it was actually cool in the morning. I couldn't believe it. It was just like heaven. It was only eighty-four. I know, and I was getting a sweater on because it's so cold. <laughs> All right. So Sally, the event is from nine to two, correct? Yes. 
and we're going to share that on our Sustainable uh, Living WMNF yes. Facebook page. And I think it's already on there, but I'll remind listeners. And um, what I really am excited about the Plant City Garden Fest is that it's kind of like the beginning of the fall garden oh, festivals. it's the turn. It's yeah. the turn, yeah. So it's not going to be so miserable to walk around. <laughs> That's the thing. It'll be fun. It won't be grueling. Yes, and it's a great place to get lots of plants. Yes, so it sounds like it. It sounds like... 30 vendors that. is a lot. And well, tropicals mm-hmm. and edibles, which is all about what I like. Yeah. So there's that. All right. Thank you, Sally, for calling. Thank you, Sally. Have uh, a great day. Bye. All right. So today we are talking with Robert Northrup, Andrew how do we say his name? Kozer. Yeah, we said we figured that out a few minutes ago. Yeah. Andrew Kozer and Brian Knox, two of them are in the studio. We're talking about urban forests. So stay tuned as we talk about these precious tree canopies and how we can promote a balance of people, profit, and planet. Yes, this is going to be a great show, and we have so much to say in it. So I want to talk to you guys a little bit about uh, everybody. Brian Knox is a senior forester examiner with the City of Tampa and the City Planning Department. We've been talking for a long time. Uh, He has been a certified arborist and urban forester for over 10 years. In his current role, Brian manages the City of Tampa's Urban Forest Strategic Plan and the City's Ecological Analysis. Also, he just had a baby, his first baby, four weeks old. That's correct. And he's already he got his figure back. So there's that. So, and Andrew Kozer, uh, he's in Zoom. We have two gentlemen here, which would be uh, Rob and Brian, but Andrew is on Zoom with us. And uh, he is an associate professor of environmental horticulture and the University of uh, Florida Gulf Coast Research Education Center in Waimama, uh, Florida. He specializes in research related to urban trees and their care. So, uh, Andrew is the father of four amazing girls, author of two Florida tree identification guides, and owner of one stubborn, stubborn Bassadown. <laughs> he enjoys biking the Pinellas Trail and training with, um, uh, Ke- with Kenny Karate in his spare time. I guess we'll have to ask him what that is. Uh, Robert, uh, to my left here, is uh, Robert Northrup, is an extension forester for the University of Florida. The focus on his work involves teaching forest ecology and conservation science to natural resource and landscape design professionals providing conservation uh, planning assistance to local state governments and applied research into the changing character and ecological function of the urbanizing forest within the Tampa Bay. That is the key of what we're talking about, but within the uh, Tampa Bay watershed. Uh, before moving to Tampa, or to Florida and in 2004, he was a watershed forester for the Maryland Chesapeake Bay. That's where I got his, his accent a little bit. <laughs> a restoration program and advisor on trees and forests for the Maryland Office for the, uh, of the Governor. Uh, he taught wildlife management at the University of Delaware, and he just got back from lots of places across the world as a speaker as of last night, I believe. Mm-hmm. So his arms are tired. A lot of flying. A lot of flying. I'm just so happy that everybody made it. This was a lot of work to get everybody together, and it just turned out wonderfully. Welcome to the show, Robert, Andrew, and Brian. Thank you for being here. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having us. My pleasure. Andrew, you on the other line out there? I am. Good, good. Uh, So... We have a list of questions, but any time that you guys want to branch off and that you find something that's really important that you feel that the public needs to know or anybody needs to know, uh, really, uh, just jump in. And so my first question is, how does the city of Tampa monitor the extent and condition of its urban forest canopy? All right. Um, Brian? You want me to take the lead on that, Rob? Okay. 
All right. So it's, it's through our ecological analysis. And we've been doing an ecological analysis since uh, 2006. Huh? And so the ecological analysis is done every five years. And so uh, we're now on our fourth ecological analysis. And with that one, um, we are expecting um, some, some results that maybe look a little bit different than what we've seen over the past um, analyses. We're going to have them on next month to tell us what that is. Fantastic. Yes. And so um, with that, you know, that's, that's when we'll find out the information from the 2021 ecological analysis. Mm-hmm. And so um, right now we're standing at about 32%. 32% of what? Of canopy. And what did we used to have? Um, it's range. It's fluctuated between that 30 mark, somewhere between 30 to 32. Oh, okay. And, uh, I think in some cases it's gone up to um, 34. It's the, um, the ability we have of judging uh, the percent canopy uh, is not, has caused us to feel that there has not been any real significant difference uh, mm. since we began. Uh, that does not include... Uh, what you hear about next month and i'm not sure andrew can speak more to that than, yeah. than we can at this point because he's con- he conducted that last analysis oh okay with uh, the other folks that were we had on earlier actually but we, we actually yes. thought okay andrew you want to talk about that a little bit yeah so sean landry will lead part of he leads part of the assessment mm-hmm. which here is a canopy assessment as he's always done mm-hmm. plus they did a values survey of Tampa's residents to see how they interact with the urban forest and what they think of it, um, which was led by Rebecca Baker um, at USF. Um, and then for uh, my part is we get out in the field and we go to 200 plots all across the city and parts of the city you didn't even know existed, honestly, um, to, to cypress swamps where you're, you know, chest deep in water. Wow. These are up to your head to um, parts of McDill Air Force Base where you're like, oh, can, we, can we be here, <laughs> you know, safely? Mm-hmm. So, but we always have an escort and, and things like that for that, that type of uh, assessment. And what we're trying to do with the ground-based assessment is give meaning to the canopy, mm-hmm. you know, to, to show what is making up our canopy. Is it trees that are on their way out? Is it the is it a young urban forest? Are they made up of all the invasives of the world that came down to visit Florida? Or is it our native forest remnants from before um, times? And it's a mix of everything, of course. So, I'll be very interested in seeing that. They're actually going to come on next month, uh, Sean and Rebecca, and give us the, the final on that. I actually took that, uh, that quiz, that uh, survey that y'all had. It was very interesting because it was asking me how I felt about trees. Yeah, I'm, I, I think I think one of the things that uh, Tampa is doing that is fairly unique in the United States um, is, first off, doing these assessments every five years, the biophysical assessments every five years, which allows them to track the condition uh, and the distribution of the urban forest. Um, that's fairly unique. There are only a couple of cities in the United States that have done anything like that. But what is important this year is that the city of Tampa has begun to initiate the periodic uh, analysis of the values of the citizens to determine what they feel is the most important thing 
that they need to be addressing in terms of the urban forest through city programs. Yeah. That's really that's really unique. That's very uh, wonderful, too, because then you get an insight from the real people that live here rather than just all the technical data. Um, I was involved in that early stages uh, in 2000 when we were working with the developers because they wanted to take all the trees down, and I wanted to save every one, <laughs> you know, which neither one's practical. Uh, but uh, we settled with them by... Uh, insisting that that was going to happen that there would be an analysis and then that's how that began is that was a compromise to see exactly scientifically what's really happening and not emotionally what's happening right and and, and that's how i began yes with that mm -hmm. at that moment to be involved in the urban forest in tampa along with sean uh, and another fellow who you're not speaking to at this moment, but who co-authored that book, Michael Andrew. Oh, okay. Uh, so that that was the initiation of the in, entire urban forest strategic planning effort. You just brought up something that I was going to talk about later, but th while we're talking about it, uh, you just talked about the urban forest management. It's a primer to strategic planning for municipal governments. This is a book that's available. Mm -hmm. And uh, how would someone get that? They can get it online. Okay. That's the easiest way. Yeah. Or they can get in touch with me. Uh, I don't know how we can do that. Oh, it'll be on our Facebook uh, uh, and our social media. We'll have a link. Okay. I, I can give you the link. And it's a, it's a totally open source. There's no cost. Oh, okay. You, you can just download it. And and what's the uh, – you could just say the link. What's the link? Just mm -hmm. on air. No, I can't. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, then don't. <laughs> and then we also have the City of Tampa Urban Forest Management Plan, which I was super interested in getting – so interested in getting. I downloaded every page. It was 69 pages. And, and then – uh, Rob graciously brought me a beautiful copy of it, so I'll, I'll give mine to somebody else. So when uh, we do have the formal plan by that that you created, so how is the city of Tampa implementing that, uh, that management of the urban forest? How's that going? Well, but I'm going to turn that over. To, to Brian. Uh, to Brian, but first I want to say that I didn't create anything. Oh, you didn't? Uh, I facilitated it. Okay. I, I, helped to, I helped the city to organize it, uh -huh. uh, but the plan itself uh, is based upon a great deal of input uh, from citizens uh, in the city uh, and then uh, work with uh, all the departments in the city to, to organize that strategic plan. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I'm just the uh, facilitator and the writer. Okay. Well, it's you did a great job. Well, thank you. And thank you for doing it. I appreciate it. Right. And Brian, you'd like to talk about the what the city of Tampa's doing with this? Absolutely. Um, in 2013, that's when uh, the management plan was created. And um, through those series of meetings and, and uh, collaborations, that's how we ended up getting a plan for for the city of Tampa to be able to uh, manage their, their canopy and their other natural resources. And so um, one of the important parts, um, the, the entire plan is important, but one of the, the big parts of it is the alternatives for actions. And so within there, there's 175 actions that are in there. And, and those actions um, are, are meant for us to uh, implement in order to um, Keep Tampa's uh, keeps keep Tampa's um, version of canopy that you know we choose to to 
we want to see for the city. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important that um, with those alternatives for actions that we make the decisions on um, what policies uh, should we implement uh, right now, what policies should we implement later, and um, revisit any policies that may uh, be difficult to implement. Okay. And so... And revitalize them in a different way. Like perfect. look at it and change it in a way that will work. Correct. What so what are being done, what has been done with this uh, plan? Because you mentioned that to me and I was pretty excited to hear that things are actually being done with it. I didn't think that was what was happening. And then what do, can we look for in the future? And so that? as I, I mentioned before, there's a... 175 action items in there, and within there, we've completed uh, a little less than half of them, mm-hmm. um, which um, for the staff we had at the time is uh, pretty darn good. That is good. That's a lot. Um, yeah. And, and so with that, I can... have a very small staff. Very small staff. And so, but we have expanded, and that's been the good part about this. Now we're actually afforded to focus exclusively on the management plan uh-huh. and, um, and the ecological la- analysis. So we can make better scientific-based decisions once we, we get the results of this year's ecological analysis. But back to those alternatives for actions. We, um, we've implemented some, some pretty solid ones. I think in the last, um, in the last um, interview with Rebecca and Sean, uh-huh. um, the, the conversation about the Tampa tree matrix came up. Okay. And that was born out of one of the alternatives for action. Also... Um, a class that we're offering next week. Yes, you just told me about this. This is exciting. I did. It's the uh, self-certified private arborist program. Um, it's something that we're looking to implement with arborists that are working within the city of Tampa. And what we're looking to do is uh, there's a lot of arborists that are working in the city of Tampa. Not all good ones. And with that, we want to make sure <laughs> at the minimum, <laughs> at the minimum, we want to have um, each arborist aware of the rules, the policies, and what we're looking to implement within the city of Tampa. So what we're looking to institute is um, a, a, just a sense of, of awareness w- with who you can contact right. within the city. People don't know. Exactly. They, they feel so lost. There used to be an emergency tree line, and that doesn't exist anymore. That I, I don't think it does anymore. It's still available, and um, it's, it's gone through some some reconfiguration and now it's set up where it goes um it's dispersed a little bit more quickly Mm -hmm. um than it has been before who would they contact uh brian if 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 they saw something that was going on that wasn't right for trees who would they contact you can contact you can dial i think it's a 813-258-TREE oh okay um and i think that spells out 8733 okay but and also um there's a there's a hotline as well, and it's called uh, Tree Questions okay. at tampagov.net. And you can also use that Tree Questions email to if you have general questions about trees. Yeah. Um, we, we usually respond to that pretty quickly. It's very similar to our INET, and that is available for response within 24 hours. Oh, that's so. wonderful. Uh, we have a phone caller, and they've been patiently waiting, so we, should, we need to get to them. So on line one, we have... Uh, DeAndre from Lakeland. Hi, DeAndre. Hey, good morning. I'm actually from Tampa, but I'm just on the road. I happened to hear this call. I, I, uh, thank you for uh, taking my call. Um, hi, I've been curious. Well, I've been following the, the ongoings when it comes to 
Tampa's afforestation efforts. I think that's the term used to, to describe what, what's happening. Um, but I'm kind of curious about, like, uh, well, things similar, like uh, wetland uh, uh, or wet spaces, and then as well savanna spaces and mound spaces. Like, is there a chance any of that might be of utility because I, I, for what I think I know, we're trying. Well, Tampa's trying to deal with the urban heat island issue, right? And helping to cool off spaces. And I hear a lot about afforestation, but I wonder about those other things I mentioned too. Is there a chance that any of that? might be beneficial, or is that being examined? Well, I tell you what, Rob just pointed uh, towards Brian. Brian seems to be running the room today, so Brian? <laughs> so, uh, Carla, did you did you say deforestation? Deforest. Okay. A. A, yes. D-E. Got it. And so, um, no, yes. No, no, no. no, no. Aforestation. Aforestation. So, and about the waterways and so such like that. For cooling, is that what you're specifically talking about? For cooling? Well, yeah. Well, yes, all those things for cooling or um, trying to turn back some of the, uh, the the damage that's been done when it comes to the urban heat island effect and, you know, this area. And when I say A4, I mean the alphabet, first letter A. Got it. Right. And then, and then as well, uh, wet spaces, not necessarily re nourishing wetlands, but that included. Um, I know there have been a lot of wet spaces that have been... Uh, filled right. uh, and uh, mounds I find very interesting scientifically because of how they help uh, deal with uh, it, it's, uh, the matter of, uh, of light and heat exposure. Uh, right. and, and, Thanks, and DeAndre. Lights. We're, we're going to see what uh, Brian has to say. Yeah, we have a, a lot to say in a short period of time. But thank you so Sorry, much for calling. Really appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you very much for your call. Um, about um, about uh, our urban heat island um, uh, studies, we actually have been conducting studies uh, to see what the cooling effect is of the trees that we have existing. And so what we're, what we're doing is we're trying to pair that with our ecological analysis because one thing we want to know is um, we want to know the areas where um, the the urban heat island has increased. Mm -hmm. And with that, we want to focus on those areas for plantings. In addition to that, we are looking for um, spaces, open spaces where we can start to plant trees that are um, more public spaces. And they're not, they're not necessarily accessible spaces, but they are spaces where we can keep, maintain, or just leave trees as they are. And that way, they're not impacted by any development or anything. You of mean that like such. hiking parks and that sort of thing? Hiking parks are just areas that 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 are just unavailable for in, for even hiking. Oh, like you know, those places that Andrew goes in up to his uh, his navel <laughs> and water. Correct, those type of places. So I need to talk to him <laughs> after the show about that. Actually, so that's what you're looking at, Andrew, and, huh? And so with that, we're we're trying to do these targeted plantings because um, they're they're. There's a, um, we, we are losing trees to development and that's a, a known thing. And um, it's, a, it's a part of a city growing. And so with that, we have to look at different ways that we're getting trees in the ground. Yeah. And so it doesn't just have to be um, with, with a, a, a citizen city interaction. It can be open space. 
it can be parks and and that's what we're starting to focus on uh, a little bit more these days one of my concerns specifically about that is is that when the trees are taken out in the neighborhoods because they want to jam two houses on uh you know a one a double lot that used to have a giant oak tree on it, or they're taking all the parameter trees because they want to put the the buildings, you know, right at the edge of the uh, area. There's no place for these trees to be implemented in the neighborhoods because the land is not big enough to hold big trees. So that is a big concern of mine. I know that they pay in to uh, the developers have to pay in to, to tree trust tree fund. trust fund. But where do those trees go? Is that where the trees go? Is what you're talking about? Because I'm really interested and having them stay in my neighborhood, okay. you know. So I'm gonna I'm gonna answer that a little bit. Okay. Um, it's Rob, this is Rob uh, Northrop, um, and my answer has to do with uh, the city's strategic plan. Okay. Uh, that's the point of the strategic plan was that we know that as uh, cities are not stagnant, okay, uh, they're constantly changing. Uh, and they're changing in terms of uh, the distribution of buildings, the movement of people, uh, the density of buildings, the density of people, uh, and the uh, availability of vegetation. Um, that's why the city itself, when the plan was developed, and why Sean now, when he conducts his uh, canopy analysis, looks at planning districts. Uh, planning districts allow the city to look more specifically at areas within the city as they lose and gain canopy. So um, it's, uh, there, are, there are specific questions that we can, we can ask and, uh, and talk about in terms of policy, uh, but I don't believe that we're the ones who can really talk about that policy or how those are developed. Uh, how are they developed? Rob, or is that a, a government issue, or what? No, I mean, I mean, po policies policies are based. That's a good question, really. Okay. So, policy policies. What is a policy, right? Uh, so, uh, in the case of a municipal government, it may be a set of ordinances or regulations or internal processes within departments. Uh, so, all of those things uh, together uh, constitute a policy. Uh, but one of the things that you have, have to consider in the city of Tampa that's really important uh, that they implemented that Brian didn't mention earlier is two really important parts of policy. Mm -hmm. uh, and policies on all those things, regulations, ordinances, internal procedures, are all based upon the comprehensive plan of the city. Right. That's the fundamental foundation of the city. The city, when this plan was adopted, was not adopted just by the council. It actually was placed into the comprehensive plan. I saw the signatures so, on that. I mean, and, everybody and, and so that. it is embedded in the foundation of the policies mm -hmm. for the city of Tampa. Uh, and also, it was issued as an executive order mm -hmm. uh, by the mayor of the city. Yes. And that executive order uh, directs all departments to implement the strategic plan. Uh, and the only way that that uh, can be rescinded is if another executive rescinds it. Mm -hmm. So um, 
the fundamental policy in terms of the the, the comprehensive uh, care and uh, rest, restoration and retention of the urban forest in the city of Tampa um, has been set and it is in place. Yes. And it, it, people can go and look that up and see exactly what it is. Everybody signed off on it. I was really surprised. I, I, and then I was, didn't know that things were actually being implemented from it. Because in my little small bubble, I'm seeing trees taken down. So it's, you know, it's scary to all of us in our neighborhoods to see this. But I got to say, uh, the mayor is making those guys that, toward, uh, that took down those big trees, uh, the, the, the uh, arborist, I say loosely, that's one of the bad ones, uh, is going to have to pay that big money money for doing it and she is insisting that that happened and that just happened five days ago so i'm pretty excited about that and kenny needs to reintroduce and he needs to talk too <laughs> and he gets excited about i do you. especially this is my project i love this thing so i'm kenny coogan and you're listening to the sustainable living show here on wmnf tampa 88.5 today's guests are rob northrop brian knox and Andrew Koser. We are talking about Tampa's urban forest. If you want to be part of the conversation, give us a call at 813-239-9663 or send us an email at dj at wmnf.org and we will read it on air. So earlier we had a, a caller talking about the heat island effects and, I, and we were saying that the urban uh, canopy is around 30%. Do we have a percentage of what a healthier Tampa would look like or what the or what we need to really combat climate change or heat island effects? And so it's uh, when we talk about percentages of canopy, it's it's really a, um, a goal that's attainable um, for a city. And so you typically set the parameters that are um, based on what the city's goals are. And so in our in our city, it happens to be no net loss of canopy. That's a good uh, idea. <laughs> and, and so with that, that's was, that was our baseline. That's where we started. <laughs> but uh, with that, as things evolve, we need to uh, look to the citizens in particular to find out what they want from their canopy. And then based on that, we can make some more informed science-based decisions on how we can move forward later on. And so the the... The survey and the ecological analysis is going to be extremely important from that. For is that, is the baseline from 2013 or from like 100 years ago? The the 32 percent we mentioned earlier that was the last ecological analysis from 2016. Do we have data from 50 years ago? Uh, do that's do a we? good question. No. <laughs> no, you, you can you can you can obtain that easily easily enough if you want to. The idea of aerial photographs from that time. Uh, oh, aerial photographs, right? Okay, and then you could just sort of uh, assess that according to what you see in that. But the reality yeah. is, we'll never go back to fifty years ago. Well, or? let's hope not, because I couldn't get a credit card, or <laughs> there's a whole bunch of things that women could not do. And and that's the thing, like they said, like we said, we could. Um, uh, but there, there yeah. needs to be purpose behind it, and and I can see the purpose behind it. Yeah. In terms of spelling out what uh, the city of Tampa's canopy has been throughout the decades, and and you know we can even to some minor effect, we've had discussions about that before. But 
I can tell you that I live in a. Oh God, I'm talking over him again. But real quick, I live. Uh, mine is a. a uh, I live in Fancy Town, Hyde Park area, and but mine, it, my yard is a. I got to say, at least 15 degrees cooler than everybody else's uh, that around me. And my next door neighbor has artificial turf. And any time one of my leaf comes over there, she's got to sweep it up. I mean, it's crazy. And all the animals live in my on my property because they have a place to be undisturbed. And so there's a lot going on there. So, so. Annie, we have a caller. Okay. And we have Mary. Hi, Mary. Hi. Hi, Mary. Hello. Hey. Do you have a question about the or urban comment? forestry? I, I do have a question, and I apologize if it's already come up because I tuned in a little bit later. Just go ahead. Start. Let's go with it. Okay, so my question is this. Um, I purchased a home about seven years ago in an older portion, uh, older neighborhood within the city of Tampa, and beautiful trees. Um, well, it's being redeveloped, and all the trees are coming down. It's so sad. So the issue is, as I sit in my house, I had a grand oak north, south, east, and west. Yeah. And all of them have come down. Oh, that crushes um, me. Yes, it is totally crushing. Uh, but here's my question. My question is this. I have personally been impacted as a citizen and a, and a resident of this neighborhood. Right. A, my landscaping, which went in prior to all the trees coming down, has been very much affected by all the direct sun that I'm getting. The yeah. Heat. Two, I have two grand oaks on my property and then two smaller oaks, they seem to have been affected because the grand oak in back of me, to the south of me, I believe their roots were connected. That's a big thing. Um, yes. So my oaks now don't look as beautiful and vital as they did. Well... And three, if I can just... Yes, go ahead. ...with this. Go ahead. My heating bill has gone up. Of course it has. Because I'm getting a ton of direct heat. And four, because of all the redevelopment... Um, and all the trees coming down, it's much hotter now to walk or bike or do anything outside in the in the uh, paved streets around around my home and you know two or three blocks around my my home. So my question is, is this being taken into consideration when you go up? Um, we went and spoke about this happening, and of course it was voted down. The trees still came down, but is this concern about climate change? And the impact that it has on the residents who are affected by by all the trees coming down, is that being taken into consideration when these decisions are being made, when policy is being brought up? Because not only is it a heating issue and health of trees, but it's also a soil retention issue. I'm very close to the river, and I was you know, counting on that huge tree, which must have been at least 200 years old. And I'm, I'm not lying when I say that. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah, All right. Thank soil. you, Annie. Uh, Mary, we're yeah. going to have uh, one of our experts answer that. I agree with every single thing you said. Just want to let you know. So right. I feel you. So Brian's going to talk about that a little bit. And so, yeah, that's uh, a, a definitely a challenge that we've been dealing with. And it's one of the things that uh, we've now turned our focus to because, um, you know, development comes in cycles. And we do know that um, with development, trees uh, do get removed. And so with that, that's where our focus has started to become uh, on, on more effective ways to get trees in the ground. Uh, we've started to look at uh, uh, planting in right-of-ways a little bit better, starting to um, like 
starting to relax our code requirements. Starting to look into that. Relax the code requirements? In terms of, well, hear me out. (laughs) In terms of tree mitigation, because right now um, our tree mitigation focuses on public property. Unless the developer puts the tree on the property when he develops, that tree ends up in a right-of-way. Well, we're now trying to turn that around and start to focus on having trees planted by uh, citizens that want trees and giving those trees to citizens so they can plant those trees in their area so they can kind of mitigate some of the effects that have occurred through development. So if uh, I have a tree in my yard and I want to remove it, as of today, do I still need a permit with the city? Yes, you do. You, you, you definitely need a permit. Well, um, but I, okay, so I've been seeing because uh, I'm. I what go over what there type and, of trees need a permit, and how big are the trees? Or? Uh, referring to there's a new tree law. That Thank was, you. That's what uh, I want to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Passed uh, two years ago. It was revised, or three years ago. It was revised this year. It's Florida Statute One Sixty Three Point Zero Four Five, which is a, it was under some sort of heading of like property owners' rights. Right. And what it is, is it allows you to remove a tree, as it's currently written, that is, presents an undue risk to you, to you and your property. So, by an arborist or a landscape architect. Yeah, it has to be a certified arborist, certified by the International Society of Arboriculture, or a state-certified um, landscape architect. But they tend to avoid this kind of work because yeah. it's specialized and there's usually insurance involved in making these kind of decisions. Um, and, and so, but here's the kicker. We, the new revision um, takes out a couple of loopholes. So, so, y'all, it's been amended. I want people to realize that. It's being quietly amended. Yes. Right? So, we had last year, and we had bipartisan support because it, it was a mess. It was a mess. A total wreck, yes. Yeah, for the small business owners. So, I mean, both sides could see where it was causing troubles, right? Small business owners were afraid to use it because they didn't want to be the person who gets the next $800,000 fine. Exactly. Um, uh, and uh, homeowners uh, couldn't use it because of that, right? And it, it, and then the, on the left, it was being used to take down trees beyond the scope of what it was intended. Yeah, so. I see people taking down trees uh, with under the guise that it's damaging their foundation or whatever. And then as soon as they get that tree down, the whole property gets raised. So everything gets torn down. And to me, it seems like there should be some sort of a rule in there that says if you've taken this down to protect your property currently, that you should not be able to do anything with that property for five more years. That's what I think. Well, here's the, here's the kicker is um, a lot of the... The, the meat of the law is embedded in industry standards mm. which are not in the law. So you cannot use this law um, for something like lifting sidewalks, right? That is a tripping hazard, but it is not a risk as defined by our industry, right? So, so, so there was a, I made a site with the Florida chapter called floridatreelaw.org, fltreelaw.org. And it's like a choose your own adventure, but it's not quite as fun. Right, um, you, you do it. You and it, it, it'll like run you through a series of questions, and essentially you have to get like five things, six things right to apply under this law. Otherwise, you're better off just going to the city and getting the, the permit. Yeah. You know, so you can't clear uh, an undeveloped lot because 
there's no there's no target there no target but no it, they do it all the time that's what kills me as it's happening and i go run over and ask them for their permit and they said i don't need one you know i just deem this thing uh um damaging and then they go on and they yell well, at me to, to get covered by the law you to, to be able to say a tree is dangerous or now on an unnecessary risk it to be a certified arborist. I know, but I'm going over there and looking at those trees, and I can tell you right now they're not. And I can yeah. also say that there's a couple of sable palms on a property that's close to me they're going to take out, and they says, oh, it's a, completely covered in vines. You know what? It has a few little jasmine minima that uh, that uh, ran rampant up it, and it's not covered in vines, and it, I can fix that in five minutes. So with hurricane season coming, how can we tell if a tree is safe? Because this morning I did have a four-foot... Uh, Oak branch. Well, yeah, but you, how many trees do you have, Kenny? And how much acreage? Fifty. Do you have? But okay, for the uh, for the audience, <laughs> I want them hurricane to know season that. is coming for all of us. <laughs> so, Andrew, do you want to answer that, or someone in the room about? Yeah, and, and um, you know, if you do it back, well, I don't want to follow up. If you do it back actors, you can report them to the International Society of Arboriculture, and they will lose their certification. If it's truly a, a bad case, um, and, and they can't use the the law. In their favor because they don't have that certification anymore. Okay. Absolutely. Right. Maybe I get on that list then because I know who they are. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, as far as hurricanes go, um, there are professionals out there who are tree risk assessment qualified arborists, and they will have the skill set available to tell you what trees will likely make it through a storm and which ones will not based on their experience and training. And then some of them break the, the wind that's coming through and then if you take the bottom branch off, then if the top branch falls, it crushes your roof. But if you just clean up your bottom branch a little bit, it just lays down and protects you. So, I mean, I see a lot of uh, uh, local stuff that's being done. It's very regional and they do line tailing, which is stripping the main, uh, tr uh, the main uh, big limbs of all the little branches and then just having the tufts at the end, which then spins in a big storm, which then wraps, uh, uh, totally rips off that branch. So it's like poor skills for these arborists. Even though they're qualified, they're doing the work of what the, uh, the client wants. Then they're not educating the client because they want the paycheck. I've seen that happen so many times. Yeah, and we've looked at like thousands of trees and four different hurricanes now. And honestly, if you look for dead branches in your tree, if you look for big cavities, big hollows, yeah, and if you for minor extent, things like that, yeah, things that are going to be the ones that are um, going to warrant removal. Brian has a mouth open; he wants to talk. Well, I was going to shamelessly <laughs> plug um, one of our um, one of our uh, Florida ISA classes. Uh, we oh. have classes coming up. Uh, and it's a seminar for hurricane and trees, and I think it's available um, uh, this week. And um, yeah, this week for two days. I think there's one class in Orlando, and there's is it one available in the to the public, area. or is uh, all people that are registered arborists? And so you can uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you can apply for these if you um, if you're not a certified arborist. You can just take the course as a non-member. Is that true? And so, yeah, you can take those and, and, and it'll, it'll give you a, rather than trying to solve that uh, or try to get assistance in, in the sense of uh, immediacy, you can kind of get the concepts of what we're looking for with hurricanes and trees. And so with that, you can take the course and, and it's annual. So it's like one of those things where you can look at it every year and, and get it. that information uh, yeah. as needed. Very Kenny, good. we yeah. got some action going. 
Yeah, so the first uh, caller we'll take is Derek. Hi, Derek. Hey, Derek. You have something to talk about the tree canopy? Uh, yeah, this is Doug. Doug. Oh, sorry. We had the wrong All name. Right. All right. Um, I just have a comment. Okay. Uh, you know, when I moved into my house, half the reason I did was because of the vegetation in the yard. Mm. Right. And I just I just loved it. But there were two trees in the front yard that were scraggly and small and weren't going to grow into anything. Mm-hmm. So eventually I cut them down. But to make up for that, I planted two other trees. Good job. Uh, one of them is very big. The other one, I thought I was going to have to cut down again because I was afraid it was just going to grow into a miserable state, but it is so beautiful now. Um, I don't know about the big tree. Um, I feel like I need to do some kind of uh, trimming on it. Well, you can. Uh, I have a great um, arborist. <laughs> His name is Oscar Nurse. Let's ask one of the <laughs> experts that we've invited. Yes, we we will. What would they do? Yeah. Yeah, well, the problem is I really don't have money to pay an arborist. Oh, okay. Well, let's see what our experts say. Well, that's Sorry. that's that's we'll understandable. Listen, we'll, we'll listen to Brian. He's going to lead you because we're we need to get another caller and we have a limited amount of time. But thanks for calling. And, and so with that, um, there's a, a lot of times when um, we, are, we, we deal with tree care and sometimes there's a, a, a cost associated with it. And, and with that, with the city has tried to uh, implement programs that will help citizens to uh, prune their trees if they've, um, if they've had some issues with them in the past or if they haven't been pruned in a while. Um, and one of the, the grants that we do have for that is the East Tampa CRA grant. And so, um, oh, that's nice. So you guys, you can apply for a grant to you get can that apply help. For a grant. How would you do that? Uh, you would go to the, um, I believe it's the, um, it's through the East Tampa CRA. I'll have to get you the link for okay, that. Okay, we'll have that online then, uh, that you can have a link for that. And so, in the past, what what has happened is, we've had a, um, a, a arborist, a list of arborists that are on that, and and sometimes we'll um, have them come out and do the services for. Oh. Um, um, a reduced price or a price that um, uh, is at least you know uh, reduced by the the amount of the grant. So uh, the, you'll have those tree the arborist names on there for people to look at. It's generally it's generally run through our self certified private oh, arborist program, okay. and so um, some of the arborists that are on the self certified uh, list are also on that. East Tampa CRA list. Okay, great. I think we have another call, too. Yes, we do. And then after the call, Annie's going to ask Robert a really good question. What? <laughs> so, right now on line two, we have Kurt. Hi, Kurt. Hey, how y'all doing? We're good. doing great. What you, you got to say? I live in South St. Pete. This is a quick little story. Mm-hmm. South St. Pete. My yard is surrounded, the perimeter, by palm trees. You know, big deal. No shade. My neighbor's yard. They're grass. They're not trees. (laughs) Grand Oak in the front yard. When I get too hot working outside in the summertime, I go over to his yard. We have a common bench. And I sit there. And it's like going from the desert 
to a park. Absolutely. So cool. There's always a breeze there, even if there's not a breeze in yeah. my front yard. Why, I don't know. Well, and it also keeps the ground cooler, so it just the whole thing is just a cooler bit, and it um, emanates uh, moisture as well. So there's that. Here I'm answering the question. Sorry, <laughs> but it's, uh, the development, you know, they just they cleared the yard out, and it's a hot, sunny thing. Oh yeah. Next door is beautiful, and I just go there to relax. Well, I'm glad that that space is still there for you. That's wonderful. Me too. People come Thank to my house. Much. You're very Thank welcome. Thank you, Kurt. That people come to my house the same way. All right, and you got a question for Robert, who's well, come all the way from Europe to. I know. Be he our just, guest. He, I wanted to say that he just was. Tell us about where you've been and what you've been doing over there, because this was very impressive. Please. It's not very impressive. It was really, to us. But I was uh, I was over in uh, Prague in the Czech Republic. Didn't uh, you do some talking about trees? Yeah, I made a presentation uh, to the European Union's Congress on conservation, and then uh, and then I was in England, uh, and in England I uh, taught a couple of classes on uh, strategic planning for urban forestry and talked a bit about uh, the fact that urban forestry is primarily a social endeavor uh, because it's the people of the city who determine uh, through their values uh, what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. Uh, The science and the technology that uh, Andrew and I and and Brian and Body are actually the tools uh, that uh, the values of the citizens of the city uh, can use to sketch out on the landscape uh, what they need to have. You know, uh, the thing, though, to, to me is is that the general public is uneducated. And so sometimes they do things with the idea of what they want as an individual, but they don't know what that affects uh, the group, as in several of these people, well, the, especially the one woman that called in, on how affected she is. And not just she, everyone around her is affected as well. So we only got about three more minutes, but I wanted to ask, how do Floridians compare in their viewpoints or do you know how they compare to other people or other countries regarding their tree canopy? Do we do okay. we need to change our attitude or are we... Actually, we're going to figure that out pretty soon. Uh, we're working on a survey right now which is an expansion of what Rob and, and Sean and Rebecca have done and, and um, Brian have done in Tampa. We're doing it statewide um, to see if you know what what kind of canopy they have in their neighborhoods and if they want more and if not have they had negative experiences with trees and what's driving that or if they have positive experiences what you know what's influencing how they view trees and how much they want in their neighborhoods yeah so. well, yeah thank i guess you. i i guess yeah and thanks andrew that uh, that's uh, that, that's important to bring up and it's important to to, to mention that uh florida is a rapidly urbanizing state Uh, And so when we talk about urban forestry, uh, it's not just talking about the cities uh, within city boundaries, but actually talking about metropolitan regions. And these metropolitan regions are growing very, very rapidly. Um, If you'd like to get an idea about what the peninsula of Florida is intended to look like by around 2060, you can go online and look for the Florida 2060 report, oh. and you will see how the metropolitan regions are expected to grow by then. And so we're looking at the peninsula of Florida uh, becoming a one big 
urban forest. So then we need to, in that, then it needs to be more well planned as far as where the trees are going to stay and where they have to be for all the people in the city even. I mean, okay. and the types of trees that are going to make it because that's important. Like that guy put in those two trees. I don't know what he put in there, but you know, we need to know what types of trees are going to work in our area. And, and that's correct. And it also, the, like starting with the cities, it starts with the counties, mm-hmm. and it starts with other counties. And, and the most important thing is uh, creating that collaborative aspect where we can join hands with other counties so we can all be doing the same thing in some relative respect of uh, preserving canopy, preserving our ecosystems, and our natural resources. Beautifully said. I just love this. Is there anything that you guys, any of you, Andrew, jump in anytime because I can't see your face. Uh, if uh, there's something that you guys really want the people to know in a super quick moment. Yeah, we have about two minutes left. Yeah. Andrew, any, any closing remarks? Uh, wisdom, so let's let Rob. <laughs> the wise one. <laughs> the old one. But just, just remember, if you're in the city of Tampa... Uh, that the urban forest strategic plan uh, exists. Uh, It is embedded in the foundation of your legal system, and it has been directed by the executive branch of your government to be implemented. And so if you're interested, take a look at that comprehensive plan, take a look at the strategic plan itself, and get involved in getting it to happen. Um, Everybody uh, needs to be part of this. There are so many people in our cities and in Florida now. It's not just like a few big landowners or something that controls this. This is for everybody to participate in. And the city is really trying to make that uh, able to happen by having these uh, social surveys and things like that. Thank you so much, you guys, for coming on here. This has been very enlightening, and I learned a lot myself, and I hope that everybody else that was listening in did also. We need to close the show because we are out of time. Thank you, Mr. Bill Grace, for working the boards. We appreciate your weekly volunteering. Thank you, Kiki, for answering the calls. If you enjoyed this show and our weekly content, please consider going to WMNF.org. Donating through the tip jar and directing your donation to the Sustainable Living Show. Your donation helps keep us on air. Stick around for the next hour to hear WMNF Tampa's Monday Music with Flea. If you want to hear more public interest programming, you can switch over to WMNF's HD3 channel, The Source, to listen to today's Tom Hartman Show live. Tune in next Monday morning at 11 for the next Sustainable Living Show, where we will be talking with the new director of the USF Botanical Gardens. Follow our Facebook page, Sustainable Living WMNF, to stay in the loop. I am Kenny Coogan. And I am Annie Ellis. And if you need somebody to do something in this world, look in the mirror. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.